I really wanted to get to Romans chapter nine and chapter 10 and I've got 25 minutes and there's no way this is going to happen. So we're just going to slow down and enjoy Romans chapter eight. I was going to talk to you about two types of righteousness, which is really, really important. But yesterday we got through last night, we got through Romans chapter eight and let's go to verse nine. It says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You know, this is just as straightforward as you can make it. You are not truly born again if you don't have the Spirit of Christ. If you are born again, then you do have the Spirit of Christ. You are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit. You might walk after the flesh at times, but you are in Christ. And this really is the crux of everything. If we could see who we are in Christ, if we could recognize that we are now a transformed person that no longer is defiled by this sinful nature. It's gone and you have a righteous, holy nature. If you could see yourself that way, it would change the way that you receive from God. You would be able to accept his uh, abundant love because you'd know you're worthy. You're his workmanship in the spirit. You're perfect. It would change the way you deal with the devil. You would have a superiority attitude that Satan, how dare you touch God's property? It would change the way that you receive from God and all of these things because you would feel worthy. It would just transform everything. And the sad fact is that so few of us really have a revelation of who we are in Christ. This is what totally changed my life. And so this is what all of these things have been talking about. The first part of Romans was to show you it has nothing to do with you. It's all God. God loved you because he is love, not because you're lovely. And he just came and redeemed you and he made you a brand new person. And you now have different capabilities. You now have all of these things that every one of the speakers have been talking about. You are in Christ. And if you don't think that that's so, well, then you don't belong to him is what this is saying. If you are in Christ, then you do have the spirit of Christ living in you. And in verse 10, it says, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. You know, as I've already said many times, the sin nature is gone, but sin affected your mind and it affected your body. And compared to who you are in the spirit, comparatively speaking, your body is dead. Now that's not an actual literal statement because your body is still alive. My body is still alive, but compared to the life that is in my born again spirit, comparatively, this body is nothing. You know, Jesus said this, like, hold your finger right there. I'll be right back. But in John chapter six and in verse 63, Jesus said this, and a lot of people are shocked by this, but I believe Jesus is accurate. It says, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Jesus said that the flesh profits nothing. Now, again, this is a comparative statement because the flesh does profit you something. If I didn't have my body, if I didn't have this flesh, this physical part of me, you know what? I wouldn't be here. This is what, it's like my earth suit. It's what allows me to exist and to function. And I do have to take care of it. 
You know, Paul said in another place over in Timothy, he says, bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So bodily exercise, taking care of yourself, you've got to do this. We have a flesh. And so these are comparative statements that your body is dead. But you need to understand this, that you cannot please God in the flesh. We read those verses last night. Those that are in the flesh cannot please God. Your self-effort is unacceptable to God. When you got born again, God changed you in the spirit and you are perfect and awesome in the spirit, but your soul and your body have not yet been changed. They've had a price paid for them and we've got the promise that someday we are gonna have this mortal changed into immortality and we're gonna have this corruptible changed into incorruption, but it hasn't happened yet. Your body, your mind, your own wisdom is insufficient compared to the life that was placed in your spirit. It is dead. And we need to get to where we view this this way and we quit trusting in ourselves. There's a million scriptures on this in the Bible, but Proverbs chapter three, I believe it's around verse five says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not unto your own understanding in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. And we need to get to where we listen to our spirit. This whole uh, chapter of Romans chapter eight, remember I said this last night that prior to Romans eight, the Holy Spirit was spoken of once in passing. But in chapter eight, there are 21 times that the Holy Spirit is spoken of. Prior to this time, it was describing the futility of man to ever please God in our own effort. And in Romans chapter eight, it is just absolute victory after victory after victory because of the influence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. We've got to learn to depend upon the Holy Spirit and trust the Holy Spirit for everything. And yet sad to say, most people do things on their own and pretty much feel like that God expects us to take care of ourselves. I'm sure some of you have even heard that statement about God takes care of those who take care of themselves. I've heard people quote that as scripture. That is not a scripture. It's true that, you know, God gave us a brain and we're supposed to use it. There's a balance in what I'm saying, but we need to get to where we have an absolute dependence upon God for everything. For instance, Moses in the Old Testament, and of course, this is prior to the relationship we had. Moses wasn't born again. He didn't have the life of God inside of him the way we do. He had the spirit of God upon him and anointed him. But it says that these Old Testament saints search diligently and long for the day that you and I live in. What we have is better than what Moses had. And yet Moses was so dependent upon the Holy Spirit that in the 33rd chapter of the book of Exodus, he was beseeching the Lord and said, oh God, show me your glory. And God said, I will be with you and I will go with you. And Moses responded by saying, God, if you don't go with me, I'm not moving. And he was basically saying, I was taking that for granted. But man, he gave a tremendous revelation. He says, if your spirit goes not with us, I will not move from this place. Would to God, every one of us could reach a place to we said, God, what do you want us to do? You know, let me do just a little commercial ride here. I know some of you are going to think this is self-serving, but I think this is the Holy Spirit that quickened it to me. 
But you know what? I believe God has spoken to some of you about coming to Bible school. And the Spirit is leading you. And yet you are sitting there reasoning it out and thinking, God, how do I do this? But God, what about my retirement? I've had people come to me before and say, I know God's telling me to come to school, but I'm only three years away from retirement. And I think I'll just wait the next three years and go ahead so I can draw full retirement and stuff. And I said, well, I understand totally. I guess the Holy Spirit didn't know that. He should have waited three years (laughs) to tell you. I said, just ignore what the Holy Spirit's telling you and just do it your own way. I mean, lean under your own understanding. That makes sense to me. There's some of you, God's telling you, come and you're thinking, but oh God, what about job? You know, we've had people before say, I can't come because I've got two dogs. I'm not going to tell you what I said. Some of you have heard what I said. I'm not going to say that, but The director of our Bible college at that time, he said, last I checked, they allow you to have dogs out here. (laughs) I mean, it is amazing how we reason. You know, if you have a desire to come to Bible college, and this isn't limited to Bible college, but if you have a desire to do something that is totally godly, like sit under the word for four hours a day for five days a week, and you're saying, I wonder if that's God. How in the world would your flesh or the devil want you to sit under the word four hours a day, five days a week for two or three years? I can guarantee you that is not your flesh. That's not the devil. That's God. God is the only one who would influence you to want to devote yourself to study the word of God. And yet we have these desires and our brain gets in the way. Our previous director of the Bible school, he used to tell people, he says, when you hear us talk about the Bible school, what you feel in the first 10 seconds is God. And what you feel for the next two weeks is the flesh (laughs) trying to figure out how am I going to make this come to pass? See, this is what this is talking about. Your body, your mind, your own understanding, our hearts, it just is, it is not possible for your flesh to line up with the word of God. The only way you can do it is to mortify it. It says that here in just the next few verses to deny it. You have to deny your flesh. You have to bring it under subjection. Paul said that I keep under my body and bring it under subjection. You know what? You're never going to just, you can feel the presence of God and desire the things with your heart, but there will always be fears. There will always be questions. As long as you are breathing, your flesh has been corrupted and you can renew it, but you will never get to a place to where you won't have fears about stepping out on the things of God. I've been serving the Lord for 45 years with everything I've got. I've been born again for 55 years, but I've been seeking God for 45 years with my whole heart. And I tell you, I still do things and I know it's God and I step out and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, man, this had better be God or you're dead in the water. And you know what? I still have thoughts. I don't express it to myself and I don't express it very often to people. One time I was saying something in front of my kids about how I get mad and I get upset and and my kids, just their jaw hit the ground. They said, you get mad? They've never seen me mad. And they said, they couldn't believe that I got mad. And I said, I get mad the same as anybody else does. I just choose not to act on it. I choose not to vent and to express my anger. But you know, sometimes people think, well, you just don't have the same thing. If you're breathing, 
You know what? You got a carnal self to you and it is dead. You cannot live from yourself. You've got to get to where you recognize that in him we live and move and have our being. And the only way you're ever going to fulfill what God wants you to do is get to where you are dependent upon the spirit, that born again spirit that God placed upon you, inspired and directed by the Holy Spirit. Man, that's a mouthful. And yet most of us aren't living there. But the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. You know, this has a, a, a twofold application. It is talking about true that uh, someday our bodies, physical bodies are going to be changed from mortal to immortal and corruption to incorruption. And we are going to have a glorified body. But I believe that this is also true in this life before the Lord comes back or before we go to be with him, that the Lord will quicken your mortal body. For instance, this is what healing is. The body has been corrupted. It is now susceptible to sickness and things like this that I believe it was God created us to be immune to this. For one thing, such, you know, things such as germs, bacteria, I can guarantee you in the original creation, it did not function the way it does now, just like animals didn't cannibalize each other, eat each other. And so the, the creation has been corrupted. And I believe that we were created to be immune to these things. But because of sin, our bodies don't function exactly the way that they should. So does this just mean that we're destined to sickness and whatever comes down the road? No, because this life of God that is in your spirit can quicken your mortal bodies. The word quicken means make alive your mortal body. So I believe there's a future fulfillment of that. But also we can expect the supernatural power of God. I tell you, Christians should not be sick. I'm not criticizing Christians when we are sick. I'm not saying that you're sinful or you're terrible or anything, but I'm saying God created us in the born again spirit to have this power to be able to walk in health and victory. And most Christians are living way below their privileges. And we are looking to all of these other things. I better not get off on that. I just had a thought that I don't want to pursue. So in verse 12, it says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. And this isn't talking about just ultimately dying physically and going to heaven because every one of us is going to do that unless the Lord comes back in our lifetime. This is talking about in Romans 6, 23, it says the wages of sin is death. Depression is death. Sickness is death. Poverty is death. Anything that came as a result of sin, anything that wasn't a part of the original creation is a form of death. Depression, sorrow, and defeat is a slow death. And so this isn't limited to just your physical body dying. But if you live after the flesh, if you lean under your own understanding, if you just try and serve God out of your own flesh and then say, God, bless my effort you are going to fail. You're going to experience failure. It doesn't work that way. You know, one of the greatest things that happened in my life is I was seeking God to show me his will for my life. And I, when I was a teenager, I was just blessed, asking God to bless what I did. And I wanted what I did to bless God. And I spent huge amounts of time asking God to bless 
what I was doing. And then I had this encounter with the Lord, March the 23rd, 1968. God showed up, showed me, uh, spoke to me, told me to quit school, told me to do some things. My life took a turn. And did you know, since that time, I have never, ever asked God to bless what I'm doing, ever. And some people, that just shocks them. Like, you don't pray for God's blessing? No, I just follow what God tells me to do. And if God tells me to do it, he would be unjust to lead me to do something and expect me to get it accomplished under my own strength and power. What I do is find out what God's will for me is. And if I believe that this is what God told me to do, I don't spend any time blessing it. You know, I've I've mentioned that we're in the process of building this campus. The first phase is $32 million. And did you know, I have never asked God to give us money. I have yet to ask God to, oh God, please send us money. And oh God, please help us to get this done. I have not asked for God for a dime. And I know some people think, how do you do that? Because I believe God led me to do it. And if God led me to do it, he knew I didn't have $32 million. If I will obey him, God will pay for everything. See, this is the way that I look at things. I have people come and say, God told me to come to Bible college, but, and then they say, how am I going to do this? How am I going to pay for it? I don't think that way. If God told me to do something, I just do it. I just do it. And it's up to him to make it work. It's up to him. And I'm aware that he speaks through me and that he uses me. I've told my partners about what's going on. I just made an update uh, yesterday at the uh, sanctuary when we were up there and told people that I've got a deadline around the 1st of August. I've got to be making some decisions. And I asked people to partner with us and stuff. And so I follow the leadership of the Lord. I know God's not going to rain the money out of heaven. He uses people. And so I need to tell people. And so I'll follow the leadership of the Lord. But I have yet to spend one moment in prayer asking God for a penny. And we've had $28 million above our normal operating expense come in. And it just happened to coincide with our, what our need was. Some people think it's coincidental, but it's not. God led me to do something. I'm following his leading. And all of a sudden, just extra finances start coming and it works. If God told me to do something, I'll do it or hair lip every devil in hell trying to do it. Amen. But I am not going to sit there and wait on God to supply and do something. If God told me to do it, I just head in that direction and trust that he's going to make it come to pass. But see, when the Lord speaks to you and then you sit down and think, oh God, how am I going to pay for it? You are leaning under your own understanding. You're trying to figure it out. And we, the reason you have to spend so much time saying, oh God, bless my business. Oh God, bless this endeavor. Oh God, bless this is because you might've done it on your own in the first place. It may not be God's perfect will because God loves you. He will take care of you and he will help you do things that aren't even his perfect will. But when you get in the perfect will of God, there is a supernatural flow that just happens and things happen and you don't have to beg God. You know, another thing, I never asked God to anoint me. I never asked God, oh, please speak through me and touch the people. I go into these churches and they want to get you into the back room and they want all of the elders to pray on you and ask God to anoint you before you speak. And because I'm so nice and I'm, uh, you know, just so polite, I never say anything. But I'm telling you, I'm thinking, sitting here thinking, why in the world did you ask me to come if you don't think I'm anointed? 
man, if I'm not anointed now, I'm not going to get it in the next five minutes. Why would you get in the back room and plead with God to anoint you? If you don't think you're anointed, you shouldn't even have accepted the invitation in the first place. When God calls you to do something, there is an anointing that goes with it. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he that hath called us and hath anointed us is God. When God calls you, he anoints you. Jesus stood up in his hometown, Luke chapter 4 verse 18, and he says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel, etc., When God calls you, you're anointed by God. And for you to sit back and every time say, oh God, please anoint me. You aren't walking in faith. You don't believe the promises of God. You're leaning under your own understanding. And the reason we do this is because in yourself, you don't feel anointed. You know, some people talk about, man, I can feel the goosebumps go up and down my spine. I remember Kenneth Hagin used to talk about he'd have a burning in the palms of his hands. Other people, you know, have uh, feelings and things like this. And most of us want something in the natural, in the flesh, that is going to guarantee us that God is with us, that this person's going to be healed, that he will back us up and things like this. And the flesh profits nothing. As long as you are looking for things in the flesh to hinge your faith upon, you're going to fail. Your flesh changes. You feel differently. You know, I've ministered before. I I got uh, one of the few times in my life since I've been trusting God that I've actually had to deal with sickness was because I ministered 41 times one week and the next week I ministered 40 times, 81 times in uh, about 10 days and I got so tired, I literally crawled into bed. I couldn't walk. I had to crawl and I laid in bed for 24 hours And I thought I was recovered after that. And I got up and split a quart of wood and that was too quick. And uh, I I laid in bed for three days after that. (laughs) But what I'm saying is that, see, you know, this is, the body is just incapable of doing everything on your own. And I literally, when you get tired, there's times that you don't feel the presence of God. There's times that you don't feel things. If you're going by your feeling, there's lots of things that can affect your feelings You just need to get to a place where the flesh profits nothing. You cannot trust in your flesh. You cannot trust in how you feel. Some of the greatest miracles I've ever seen in my life, I felt absolutely zero. I had David Hardesty. He could verify this. We were in Chicago and we had a woman come who had cancer and she had only watched me for one week on television And she had cancer. She was so weak, she couldn't come to the meeting. So they called me. I went up to her hotel room. David was with me. And this woman was, I mean, skin and bones. She's probably only 60 pounds or something in a wheelchair. She was so doped up. She had so much pain. She had tumors all over her body from cancer. She was so doped up and everything that she couldn't even talk to me. She'd start to talk and she'd fall asleep and catch herself and try and finish the sentence. And you know, it's very hard to impact a person when they're so doped up that they aren't even coherent and stuff. And then the family members, they had only watched me for a week. They knew nothing. They thought God is the one that made her sick. And I wanted to counter this and I wanted to minister to them and get some faith going on the inside of them. And there was just no traction. There was, they didn't understand anything I was talking about. I only had a few minutes with her. And so I just prayed and I rebuked the cancer and commanded it to leave and spoke healing into her body. And when we left that room, I came this close to telling David that that woman's going to die because it's too little, too late. 
She's not believing God. She doesn't even understand how to believe God. But you know, I had learned not to speak out what I feel. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I'd spoken healing over and I just let it go. And I didn't say anything to him. But that's what I felt in my heart. Three months later, I was in Houston and this woman comes and jumps up on the platform and says, do you remember me? And I said, no, because she didn't look anything like she did. And that was that same woman. And she had been healed. That cancer, when I prayed for her, it was just miraculously healed. And I didn't feel a thing. Matter of fact, what I felt was opposite. You got to get to a place to where, what does the word of God say? And you go by what the word of God says. And you follow it instead of following your feelings. And I tell you, there's very few people who have broken free from that. Most of us are so controlled by what we see, taste, hear, smell, and feel that it's hard for us to believe that we really have Christ in us. The Bible says you have joy unspeakable and full of glory. And I've had people come up with depression and I'll tell them that they say, I don't have any joy. And I say, yes, you do. And they say, no, I don't. I know what I've got. And it's like, how dare you tell me what I've got? But see, all you can discern with your emotions is your physical realm, the flesh. But the spirit, Galatians chapter five, verse 22 says, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. In your spirit, you are full of joy all of the time. You are full of love all of the time. You are full of peace all of the time. And if you say, well, I'm not full of those things all the time, that just shows you how much you walk in the flesh. You are walking in your emotional realm. And this is what it's talking about. But the spirit of him that has love, joy, and peace and all of these things, it can bring these things that are true in your spirit out into your physical body and out into your emotions. But it can't happen by you just begging God. You got to believe these things. You got to know some things and operate in it. In the next verse, verse 12, therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live after the flesh. I think I've already read that, didn't it? For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. The word mortify means to put to death. The dictionary, the American Heritage Dictionary defines mortify as to discipline, to disciple, to bring under control. But the word, the Greek word here literally means to put to death. Did you know you need to deny your own lust, your own feelings, your own appetites? And again, this is something that Americans are not very good at. Boy, we are just filled with lust. I mean, Americans nearly pride themselves on satisfying any and every desire. It's all about living for pleasure. And that is not a godly attitude. That's not to say that we don't enjoy life, but you need to bring your body under. You need to control it. Paul said, I bring under my body, lest when I've preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. I tell you, we need to have discipline on ourselves. You know, I don't do it perfectly. Praise God for the grace of God. I'm not sitting here trying to condemn anybody else, but you know what? You've got to discipline yourself, deny yourself. There's things that I deny myself. You know, I made a decision in 1976, I think it was. I was a Cokeaholic. I don't think it's a sin to drink Coke, but you know what? I just, I was drinking two liter bottles of Coke a day and I was praying for a drunk And I just was saying, God, I don't understand how this guy can't kick the habit. And as I was praying, he spoke to me and he says, you're a Coca-holic. 
And you know what? I've never had a Coke since 1976. And I have people uh, get on my case about drinking Mountain Dew, but I hadn't had a Mountain Dew in over five months. I hadn't had anything but water in over five months. I can do it if I have to do it. I deny myself. You got to bring your body under control. You need to deny yourself. Amen. Praise God. Again, I'm not perfect, but I'm saying I'm working on it. In verse 14, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Did you know us as children of God, this ought to be a distinguishing characteristic in us that we are led by God. I couldn't tell you how many hundreds or thousands of times that God has spoken to me and told me to do something. And I have seen physical evidence that it's what God led me to do. I tell you, this is a distinguishing characteristic of a true Christian. And yet the average Christian, I I see it as them just kind of walking through life blindfolded. They aren't being led by the spirit. They just go and they, they go until they trip and fall over something. And then they get up and go in a different direction. And we're just stumbling. And, you know, it's kind of like a pinball. You just launch it. And then boom, we just hit this and we bounce around and this, and this didn't work out. And so we go over here, man, what, why in the world don't we just let the Holy Spirit tell us what we're supposed to do? God's got a purpose for every one of you. And all you got to do is ask and let the Holy Spirit lead you. And somebody says, well, I have asked and I don't hear. The Bible says in John chapter 10, Jesus said, my sheep do hear my voice and the voice of a stranger they will not hear. The average Christian says, that's not true. I don't hear the voice of God. It seems like I struggle to hear the voice of God. It's not because God's not speaking. It's because we are drowning it out with all of the cares of this life and everything else that choked the word of God. You know, I've, I've used this story somewhere recently. I don't, I hope it wasn't this week. Uh, man, I'm over time. I'm just, oh man, I got some great things to say. Let me give this one story and I'll quit. You know, everything I know is on CD or DVD. So praise God, you can get it. It's not like you'll miss out on anything. But Jamie and I were in Washington, D.C. when Ronald Reagan died and they had his funeral procession and we got to go through and uh, the uh, Capitol during that time. And anyway, as I was walking on the mall in Washington, D.C., you know, there's gravel things that you walk up and down the mall I just remember thinking to myself, this is strange because I was walking on gravel, but I couldn't hear a single step. It was totally silent. And I remember thinking about that. And I even commented to Jamie about this is strange. We are walking on gravel and we can't hear a single step. And I remember making a remark about that. And I didn't understand why it was. And then right after we got through with that, we went to Shenandoah National Park And we stayed there and I got out on the Appalachian Trail and I was walking on the Appalachian Trail and it was so quiet out there that every time I took a step, it sounded like thunder nearly. I mean, you could nearly hear it echo. It was just so loud and I, the contrast was so big. I was saying, why in the world is it so loud now? And it was so quiet 
when I was in Washington, D.C.? And the obvious answer is that there was so much other noise, all of the ambient noise, the airplanes, the cars, and there was tour guides and everybody around. And there was just so many people and there was talking that all of this stuff drowned out the sound that I was making walking on that uh, gravel. But it was making sound. I just didn't hear it because it was drowned out by everything else. And you know, this is the way it is. The Bible says, my sheep do hear my voice. God is speaking to you. There's never a single time that you've ever asked God for leadership that God hasn't spoken to you. But according to 1 Kings chapter 19, it's a still small voice. We are wanting the spectacular. We're wanting the wind to come and break the rocks and fire and an earthquake. And we're wanting something special And yet God is just speaking to us through this new born again part of us in a still small voice. And you've got to separate yourself from the way that this world thinks, from the input of this world. We've got to focus on the things of God to be able to hear this still small voice that God places on the inside of us. This is why the Bible says in in Psalms chapter 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I said that was the last thing. Here's the last thing. This is scriptural. Paul said, finally, my brethren, twice. So anyway, I was, I was at home. This has been two or three years ago or something like that. And I just had a dream. I'm one of these lucid, I dream all of the time. I dream spectacular stuff. And uh, anyway, in my dream, I saw this ticker tape just going across that said Psalms 4610. And even though I've quoted that scripture hundreds and hundreds of times, I could, for the life of me, could not figure out what Psalms 46.10 said. So when I got up, the first thing I did was get my Bible and look up Psalms 46.10. And it says, be still and know that I am God. And the way that that came to me, I just felt like this was God speaking to me. So I was at home. It was in the summer about three or four years ago. And I just decided, I didn't know exactly what be still was, but I decided that I was going to be still. You know, you could say that that means that you just need to be focused on the Lord. It doesn't mean that you have to be sitting still. You could be in a car driving and just focusing on the Lord. I think there's a lot of ways you could interpret that. But just to make sure, I decided I was going to sit still and I was going to be quiet. And I got out at our place. We live way out in the country. Can't see a neighbor from our place. And uh, I sat out on our deck and for an hour and a half, I didn't move anything, but the blink is all I did. I didn't move. I didn't rock. I just sat still. And I was so still that I had a deer walk right up and about this close to me and sniff me. They have poor eyesight. And if you don't move, it could see me, but it wasn't sure. And it came right up to me. And I had chipmunks climbing up my legs. I was so still. There was just chipmunks running all over the place. And there were birds. You know, it was so quiet out at our place that you could hear the birds when the crows, when they flew by, you could hear the like that. And I could hear the wind blowing in the tree. And I looked and we had dozens and dozens of chipmunks. We had millions of ants and just different things everywhere. And you know what? I, what I learned through that, there was a lot, but one I missed that there's a lot going on around me that I just miss because I'm busy and I'm doing something else and I'm going somewhere. And, and I just realized how long it had been since I had sat and real, heard the sound 
of the wind blowing in the trees. And since I had heard a bird flying by, and since I had looked and seen all of these things. And you know, it's the exact, that's in the natural world, but in the spiritual world, God is speaking to you constantly. God is trying to reveal himself. You are his sheep. And he said, his sheep do hear his voice. You hear God's voice, but it can be drowned out. It can be overwhelmed by all of the other things. And that's why it's so important to just take some time, come to a conference like this and just sit and immerse yourself in the word of God. But praise God, you need to do it more than one week a year. You need to develop a lifestyle to where you just learn to sit in the presence of God, to where we immerse ourselves in the things of God. And you know, we're similar to a sponge that you can take a sponge and if it's totally dried out, you can dip it in water like that and pull it back out and it'll get a little bit of water around the edges, but it'll still be hard in the middle. To get that thing saturated, you have to just plunge it in there and sit and soak. And it takes a while for the things of God to penetrate all the way down to our core being. And I'm, I'm, I'm not against anybody who does a little 15-minute devotional, but I'm telling you, a 15-minute devotional is not going to soak you to your core. For you to spend 15 minutes focused on God and then go out and spend the rest of your day struggling with doubt and unbelief in this stuff is not going to cut it. You are going to have to immerse yourself. You are going to have to sit and soak. And there's things that only happen to you when you just stay in the presence of God and start becoming sensitive to the Spirit. There's things that will only happen that way that you aren't going to get, you know, by just saying, God, you got five minutes before my favorite TV program comes on. So if you can change my life in five minutes, have at it. That's not going to work. You are going to have to sit and soak and be sensitive to the leading of the Lord. You know, I encourage you to take the book of Romans and go back and study it. We've got that uh, Life for Today study Bible out there. And it'll have all of the footnotes. Every point that I wanted to make that I didn't make is in that teaching. And praise God, you can get it. And I pray that Romans becomes one of your favorite books. It'll transform your life. It's an awesome, awesome teaching. Father, I thank you for all of these people that have come and separated themselves this week. Father, thank you for people who put you first. Thank you, Father, for people who have taken vacation, who've spent money, to come here and just sit under the word of God. Thank you for those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. And I say on the authority of the word of God that you are filled, that God is rewarding those who diligently seek him and that the blessing of God is coming on you. And Father, we just thank you that we are gonna go from this place and we are gonna live out of our spirit live by who you've made us in Christ, that we are free from this stinking thinking that has kept us in bondage. And that, Father, we are going to start walking in newness of life and in the things that you provided for us. We welcome the Holy Spirit to bring back to our remembrance the things that you've spoken to us this week, that it would make a difference in our life, that the word would set us free. And Father, we thank you and we believe that that is your desire. And I just thank you for this week, for all of the people who've worked in this. Father, I believe that there is a blessing upon every single person who's been responsible for bringing all of this to pass. And we thank you for that. And we receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save our souls. And Father, we thank you for it. Hallelujah. We receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen.
You know, again, 